score. I know I was going to say, it's like little Edward Scissorhands <laughs> being a Raiders of the Lost Ooh. Ark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a little alien in there, maybe. Yeah. I like this. But it really, it's just an, it's just a top-down view of MacGyver s- sleeping on his couch. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> that was really all I could get for the opening, because that goes for a solid 60 to 80 seconds. <laughs> yep. And then Murdoch shows up with an axe over his bed. A really nice axe. A really nice axe. Like one of those super expensive Swedish stainless steel blades, g- gorgeous axe. Yeah, and I kept thinking, you know what? No, wait. Let's. Uh, we'll get there because it's literally the first 60 seconds. We'll get there in a second. But first, welcome to Mullets and Memories, everybody. I am your host, Dave Champa. I'm your other host, Greg Klein. This is Mullets and Memories, episode 128. <laughs> and today, Greg and I will be discussing... The season seven, episode three, Obsessed, Mm. Uh, an episode that sees um, the final appearance of our favorite arch nemesis. And it's really sad (laughs) because we're never going to see him again. I know. Until he shows up in the reboot season two. (laughs) I hope so. No, he does. Oh, that's right. He does. As himself, he teams up with the other Murdoch. Ugh. And I kind of want to watch that. I think we have to. I think we have to at least watch that one mm-hmm. and the one with Bruce McGill, who doesn't play Jack Dalton. Okay. But he plays a character in it. But uh, they just need to get Richard Dean Anderson back, even though he, I think he's almost ref- already at this point, I think he's refused to come back to the show because in his eyes, it's not in the nature of MacGyver, mm. the way that they've moved the show. I'm I'm curious yeah. about it. However... It's not something I think that Greg and I are going to visit. So, so soon. the the uh, the reboot of MacGyver is not is no longer in the nature of MacGyver. Much like the seventh season of the original series is no longer in the nature exactly. of MacGyver. Exactly, it's almost like they hired a clone of Richard Dean Anderson to play the part because this is a saltier, grumpier MacGyver than we've ever seen. I know. I mean, we've seen grumpy MacGyver. I remember in season five with the Legend of the Holy Rose when he's screaming at Zoe from the houseboat. You know, he's like, "Just <laughs> tell me what you want me to do." I know, like that one, and then he gets. It's like full on like Dick MacGyver part most of season six. <laughs> and then I, he honestly like it seems like he's a like I think I said this at the season premiere. He's a lot slower this season. It's almost like he's just there's so much pain physically in his body <laughs> from seven years. Well, f- legitimately, he had a really bad back injury, right? I can't remember what season it is, but I think it required surgery. I think it was the sixth season or the fifth season. Like, I feel like five Probably snapped right. something in his lower back, and they, between seasons, he had surgery to fix it. Yeah, yeah, so I think he's just really feeling that. And I know from an interview that he said that the part, part of the reason that they ended it wasn't just because of like ratings being so bad. But he just was like, I was done. Yeah. Like, I was done. I didn't have anywhere else I wanted to go with this part. Yeah. They honestly could have wrapped it in six. Should have. Should have wrapped it in six. But, you know, instead we get this. And again, we we get this episode, which is a Murdoch episode. But to me, it, it, it was lacking something. And we'll get into it as we kind of work our way through. It was, it was lacking the 
this that that je ne sais quoi of most other Murdoch episodes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? His madness was subdued a yes. little bit, a little bit, and replaced with other kinds of madness. Oh man, does it ever? Um, er, d- does it? Did it ever? Did it ever? Did, is that <laughs> was right? It, was oh it ever? Oh my god! Who, Greg? It's early. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> All right. What do you say? Should we get into this? Nope. All right. Let's do it anyway. So you guys heard that music. And so it's basically this music is playing over a shot of MacGyver sleeping on his couch because he doesn't actually like going upstairs or sleeping in his bed. Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> this is a comment I had. So I thought for a second we were in the houseboat again because he has his new apartment set up. Exactly the same way the houseboat was set up. I didn't really pick that out. No, no. I'm so he's sitting on, he's lying on the couch the way he he as he does at his house. Yep. Um, but I don't think here there's an upstairs because it's an apartment. Right. So I don't think there's a second floor. I My, think I just said upstairs, but I you didn't did. mean but, that. So and and the door to this apartment was kind of behind the couch. Things were just set up in a very familiar area, yes. familiar way. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, MacGyver's a creature of habit, yeah, and you know he set up his apartment, uh, reminiscent of the houseboat, absolutely, um, because it was very nostalgic and it burned to the water, absolutely. Poor, ho- poor houseboat, may you rest in pieces. Um, so he's sleeping on the couch because he never really likes being in his bed. We've the only places we see him sleeping are in his couch, with the exception of MacGyver's women. He's only sleeping on his couch. Yeah, so he's having a restless sleep, and we we see a shadowy figure outside the window. Um, very easily opens the door to the to the apartment very loudly. Yeah, very loudly open the in the apartment, and we see the first thing we see is whoever this person is is brandishing an axe. And as we said earlier, a very nice, a axe. very nice, really like it must. It's like he stopped at the hardware store before he came and bought this axe because it is, <laughs> is it is unused. It is a brand new axe, or has spent like the past four or five hours polishing it. That makes more sense with his drool. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I'll get you, MacGyver. So the figure, this 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 shadowed figure, stands in front of MacGyver. We see his hands go up. He raises the axe, and then we get this bottom shot of Murdoch's face. This bottom shot of Murdoch. Yeah. Well, the camera is like <laughs> underneath Murdoch. <laughs> shot of Murdoch's bottom. We get we get a shot of Murdoch's bare ass. I don't know why they decided to use this <laughs> shot instead of his face, but we all know it's him. <laughs> So, so he's holding the axe over his over his shoulder, and he's getting ready to bring it down on MacGyver's head. And MacGyver wakes up, and what does he say? Well, he doesn't quite wake up. He he, he wakes up. Oh yeah, he do- well, Murdoch says something. Right. We just watched this. Murdoch's like, I'm, I'm, I'm MacGyver. Something about rest in pieces, or it was yeah. something along those lines. And he brings the axe down to kill MacGyver, and that's when MacGyver rolls off the couch and wakes up. For real. So he wakes up right. twice. He wakes up in his dream from having a dream, and he rolls off the couch, and then wakes up because he physically, for real, rolled off the couch. Who the hell dreams about themselves sleeping? That's like, never happened to me. I've never had a dream where I'm sleeping. But not just that. Sleeping <laughs> in the third person. Right. Right, because the camera's following Murdoch right. into the apartment. So MacGyver is following someone into his apartment while he can see himself sleeping <laughs> in his dream. Like, cut the shit, dude. I'm just confused now. So it's a dream. He wakes up and he kind of shakes it off. And as he's kind of getting getting his you know his whereabouts back, the phone rings. Oh, and I want to just make a note. As the phone rings, you see, so MacGyver is kind of sitting back up on his couch. There's like a coffee table in front of him and there's a phone and there's like an like an almost completely drank glass of orange juice. Did you see that? 
oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I'm like, right. orange juice. I was like, I wish it was eggnog. God, it should have been, been eggnog. Non-alcoholic eggnog. Or just eggs. <laughs> just the yolks. Just the shells. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is what they said to do, right? I need the calcium. <laughs> so, so the phone rings, and we get this. Hello. <laughs> Pleasant dreams, MacGyver. He slams the phone down, and we cut to the next day. But what I want to know is, how did Murdoch know that MacGyver was having a nightmare? Like, does he is he like a Freddy Krueger? I'm just gonna say, is he a dream I, think, I think the timing just worked out. MacGyver woke up, and his MacGyver sense told him to wake up. And Murdoch's Murdoch sense said you should call it this time. And it wasn't planned, but they're they are they are kindred spirits, David. Okay. All right. So well, I'll we'll go with the with the weird MacGyver continuity where that Murdoch can just sense when MacGyver's been having a nightmare and he just wants to make sure that he's okay. Yeah. By laughing on the phone. Pleasant dreams, MacGyver. <laughs> That was totally a quail laugh. Sorry, it was great. Ah, <laughs> uh, quail. So the next day, this this warmed my heart. The first thing we see is we're in the Phoenix Foundation. We we cut to Pete's office, and we see Pete like looking at a. Uh, it's like a he's looking at like a piece of microfiche, but it's like blown up to like five times its original size. Right. And the camera pans around, and we see Pete wearing these beautiful tinted glasses. And so we assume that the glaucoma surgery was a success. This is the first time we've seen him since the end of season six. And he is looking over MacGyver's psychological report mm-hmm. with Cindy Finnegan, who is the new field manager for the Phoenix Foundation. Cindy Finnegan. Finnegan. And I liked her. I liked the actor, Wendy Malick. I yeah. I think she's good. She's been in a lot of other stuff. I thought she was good, but she had a couple of weird moments over the course of the episode. She was good. Her, she was good. Her performance was good. The character... I got some problems with. We'll get into that. I can't wait to hear you. I really do want to hear what your problems were with this. So she tells MacGyver, or she tells Pete, that the report comes back and it shows that MacGyver is suffering uh, very intense job-related stress since Murdoch's supposed last death down the mine shaft. Now, this is funny because Murdoch died, died at the end of season six. Yep. And now they're discovering that MacGyver has job-related stress. He's that he watched his nemesis die for the sixth sixth time, and as we talked about in the season finale last last couple weeks, uh, about thirty some odd people have died in front of him. Yeah. So and now yeah. they're discovering that you know maybe MacGyver maybe maybe you have some work related stress you need to take some time off. And what I love about this is the only thing MacGyver says is when when he walks into the office and Pete's like, "Oh, MacGyver, we're just going over your your uh, your psychological test and it looks like you're you've got job stress." And he's like, "No, oh, it's nothing. A good night's sleep's not going to heal," which hasn't happened in a while because he's not sleeping. I'm like, that's all. That's you just need a good night's sleep. Maybe, to- maybe you should get a bed and use it. Right. Maybe you should actually meet with a psychiatrist. I don't know. Yeah. You've seen over thirty-five people die. Maybe in the last or not just years. that. Maybe maybe having sleeping problems has to be you know connected to the fact that you've been knocked out a hundred times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I just love that. That's his response. He's like, "Well, it's you know, it's, it's stress, sure, but a good night's sleep will solve that." Which I'm not getting. I'm like what? <laughs> really? Okay. That's where you're going to go? Okay, fine. So. Pete says that Cindy, like you don't understand MacGyver that well, like you you just don't get it. Like this is maybe what he needs. And so Finnegan says, "Listen, MacGyver, we found Murdoch's corpse. It was at the bottom of the mine shaft." And MacGyver's like, 
yeah, but there wasn't enough of the body left to make a positive identification. And we know Murdoch has survived death before because after seven years of watching him die, MacGyver has seen like MacGyver has seen weirder things. And I'm thinking to myself, like, cut the sh- cut the dude a little slack. Yeah, he's watched this guy die seven but, times. But she's del- so. This is where I had problem with the character. I don't know. Uh, the delivery was so belligerent. She was so forceful she was and bull. so she angry. She was very bullheaded. That Absolutely. We know MacGyver. We've known him for seven. This is the seventh year we've known MacGyver, David. Right. And he doesn't respond well to that. Right. And he's been working for the Phoenix Foundation for how long? Forever. Because in season... Since he was a child. Because in season two, we flashed back to the first time he and Pete met at the DXS. Right. So he's at least been working for the DXS for seven years. Mm-hmm. The Phoenix for at least seven. So he's been doing similar jobs for 14 years. Yeah, you think so? Maybe. For a long time. For a very long time. Because remember, the flashback was the first time they met Murdoch, and he went radio silent until season two. That's true. So he died seven years prior to the first time we meet him in season two. So he, so like, so, but I guess, I guess the thing that's with her character, how it didn't make sense in the, in the sense that both MacGyver and Pete know the history of Murdoch. It's been proven that they've never found bodies and he's come back every single time. Right. And she won't believe it. And here he is telling her, I'm not crazy. Murdoch isn't dead. Right. And she won't believe him. And that's, I, that was actually, you're right. I did have that issue too because she was so bullheaded. She was like, well, she even named off, what was the, there was a, was a, there was an, uh, uh, not a, not the police, the FBI. So mm. she kept naming like the FBI or whatever. Like she was like, they found the body. They found the body. This is right. him. This is him. And she was like, he was like, no, there weren't enough body parts yeah. to confirm that it was him, so we still don't know. He could be alive, and you don't know my life, right. basically. <laughs> it was awful, and she's the psychologist. Fine. Right. So she insists. So Finnegan says to MacGyver, like, you're compromised. Like, your stress, your head, everything is compromised. And, and a, so this is all playing into the fact that MacGyver is the head of the security team for Pablo de la Sora who is the ex-president of El Santori. Now, isn't isn't that one of the islands that uh, InGen created all the dinosaurs on? <laughs> Probably. It might have been. Pablo de la Sorla? Pablo so- de la Sorla. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounds exactly like <laughs> them. So this is when I got almost got too frustrated because I fucking hate courtroom episodes. I want to... Con- yes. Did you notice where they were? So they, I so, saw your note, and so I looked. they drive out. So Pete, Pete, and tells um, um, MacGyver and Finnegan to go. You know, MacGyver, prove your, you know, prove that you're okay. Um, and MacGyver's like, well, I'll have to drive because Miss Finnegan's car here didn't pass security or isn't like, isn't um, wasn't search or what, or right. whatever it was. It was basically like a. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna moment. be the, I'm gonna drive then. <laughs> so they go down to the courthouse that this Pablo. Um, de, la de la Sorna, de El Isle de Muerta. Isla Nublar. Isla Nublar. <laughs> Pablo Isla Nublar <laughs> is uh, being tried, and they pull up to the front of this courthouse, and I'm like, shit, that's the, co- that's the uh, courthouse building or whatever from Parks and Rec. It's the same building because they're filming in California now. And I was looking at it when you, I read your note before I watched it, and I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm pretty sure that was the exterior of the courthouse from Parks and Rec. It is, because we were, Christy and I were, were just watching some Parks and Rec, like, the day before. Oh, really? And I'm like, hey, that's the same building. Oh, that's a phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, there you go. There's my eyes for you. Good they eyes, work. Greg. So, Thanks. 
<sighs> we get to the courthouse, and I'm glad that this was the only time we see it because I hate courtroom episodes. I made a note about that. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, like Dave loves courtroom shows right here. So MacGyver and Finnegan are like going over the security procedures to make sure that everything's checked off, like the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, everything's in place, but they realize that the only thing that was not covered was the media. And apparently De La Sora's lawyer had identified and notified the media that he was about to arrive. And so there is so they kind of have that like shoulders hunched moment like shit. Like, yeah, because they were going to like sneak him in or sneak in all these people. And it was all good. Right. Except that someone the the the, the prosecution. No, the defense. I don't know. Yeah, it, was, it doesn't it matter was the prosecutor, because it's, Bob, Bob Strike. Bob, not Ted Stryker. Not Ted Stryker. Stryker, 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 Stryker. <laughs> no, yeah, because then we meet we meet the federal prosecutor, Bob Strike, and his assistant, Marietta Robles. Oh, great. We'll just call her Marietta from now on. I love it. <laughs> um, so we see De La Sora. He gets out of his. He gets out of the car, and the first thing Marietta complains about is how he is prospering as always. He looks fatter than he did before he went into prison because he's getting three meals a day. And I'm like, I wouldn't call eating prison food prospering. Nah, like, not really. I wouldn't call that really being prosperous. He's just they're just feeding him three meals a day like they're supposed he's to. Probably kind of depressed, and he's you know in prison, so he's not really doing anything. Right, exactly. Right. But yeah, she makes a comment about how this is his game. Like De La Sora always prospers over everyone else. Like he just he does one better than mm-hmm. everyone else. He has to be the he has to be at the top of the food chain. And when he sells those freaking you know Velociraptor embryos, he's going to make so much money. He is totally. Do you think he's going to use the Barbasol canister? He might. Yeah. You think he's you think he's concealed it within himself? I think he smuggled it out. Of the country I do. up his nostrils real or somewhere up each nostril <laughs> he's just got like these vials <laughs> i was like mr del sora get a tissue what i'm sorry what what's wrong there's something in your nose it looks like a liquid of some sort a vial oh, hanging mm. no that's fine and just like shoves them back up into his nose <laughs> so so de la sora is like standing in front of the media and he's like he's like proclaiming his innocence to everybody and in the audience macgyver sees who he thinks is murdoch mm. murdoch's disguised as a photographer he's got a camera he sees Murdoch load the front of the camera with a dart, and when he goes to take the picture, the dart flies out, but not before MacGyver screams out in the middle of this media frenzy and tackles this guy, tackles who he thinks is Murdoch down a flight of stairs in the front of the courthouse, but it's the wrong guy, and Murdoch's gone. Awesome. And Loved so- it. I thought it was great. I th- it was good because it, 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 yeah, there it is. There's Murdoch. We all saw it as the audience, and it's like, oh, that's Murdoch loading a poison dart into the front of a fake camera and firing it at at, at uh, the prisoner. Right. The dart misses. It goes right into a sign behind De La Sora. Yeah. And MacGyver like dive tackles the wrong guy down a flight of stone stairs. That's amazing. <laughs> that was great. Who does that? It's just like oh, he was convinced that it was Murdoch, and Wh- so. Work stressed MacGyver tackles people down stone stairs. I'm I'm surprised. Well, no, it does make the news a little bit later. They they mention it a little. I was about to say I'm surprised we didn't hear about it, but we do. So at this point, MacGyver is trying to find anyone who can like substantiate this story. That like there was a guy with a camera who was hiding a dart in it, and when the camera took a picture of the dart fired out at de la sora he's finding trying to find anyone and And he's like someone find the dart it's got to be here find the dart and this one guy's just like oh that's what you're talking about man like i have no idea i'm sorry i can't help you and mac at this point like he's totally cracking yeah he is cracking completely at the seams so finnegan is like basically just assumes that macgyver is like hallucinating Mm -hmm. the stress has really overcome him and she calls pete 
and Pete is basically backed into a corner and has no choice at this point, but he's going to have to take MacGyver off security detail. Well, he yeah, he talks to Mac on the phone, this gigantic phone that's about the size of a shoe. It's great. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and basically like they they Pete's like you can't you can't do this, you know, we're under enough scrutiny as it is, and he brings up his his glaucoma again. Yeah. yeah. So it comes down to since I've had my surgery and I can't see the way I used to, my I have to prove that I can still do my job. And all that, you know, he's he's convinced that Finnegan is also there to uh, observe Pete. Right, exactly. So he wants MacGyver to be like on his best behavior because there's enough scrutiny with the Phoenix Foundation from the public eye and everything that if MacGyver keeps fucking up and being a weirdo, right. that, I mean, everything is going to go to hell. Which I thought was weird. So Pete's basically telling MacGyver he's doing this to save his job. Less than a season ago, Pete was ready to walk away from the foundation before this surgery. Yeah. Like He was ready to just throw it in the towel. He handed yeah. MacGyver's resignation. He was done. So well, I just think it's funny that less than a season ago, that's true. he was ready to leave his job, and now he's like, I have to save my job. So to the credit of, I guess, Dana Alcar and the writing, and Pete Thornton as a person, yep. we can see the arc of his struggle, and he's kind of he's confronting it head on, yeah. having a hard time, but he's... He's doing it, you know? He's doing it. Absolutely. So we cut to a little bit later that night, and we see uh, Murdoch, and and Murdoch is making a pipe bomb. And while making. As he does. And as he does. And while making said pipe bomb, he calls MacGyver again and basically promises MacGyver that he'll regret killing him. He's like, You're going to regret killing me. And MacGyver. Does MacGyver ask, say, I thought you were dead? Well, no. So MacGyver, there's a scene after. MacGyver goes back to goes MacGyver goes back to his house. Yep. And is messing around. Like messing around on on his coffee table, soldering stuff, doing something you don't really know. Um but there there's a great line though where this is back at the courthouse. I have to say it because I wrote it down. Um wait a minute. I totally lost where I am. <laughs> Dave Love Court I wrote, dead men don't play games. That's what he says when Murdoch... That's what he says. That's what Murdoch says to MacGyver. Right. When MacGyver, like, asks him on the phone. So I got all twisted there. So MacGyver was working on this thing, which obviously is either a recorder or a, a, a line tracer. Right. So that he knows Murdoch's going to call again. So exactly. he calls, and uh, Mac answers the phone. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> we get the chuckle. Yeah, get the chuckle. Murdoch yeah. says something about, you know, TV, you know... I thought, yeah, he did say, I thought you were dead. And he goes, dead men don't play games, MacGyver. I got so confused just now trying to explain myself. (laughs) I don't even know what's going on. Oh, maybe I'll edit that down. Maybe I won't. We'll see. (laughs) We'll find out. We'll see how I feel about it. So, yeah, so that was when we realized that as soon as Murdoch hangs up the phone, MacGyver has traced his phone call. Now, my first note was, bad form Murdoch to let your number get traced. My second note was, unless he wanted that to happen. Right. That's the thing. Murdoch's number was traceable was one of my notes. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, Murdoch's number is traceable if he wants it to be. If he wants it to be. And the other thing is, so MacGyver had to build a device that traced phone calls? Of course he did. He works for the Phoenix Foundation. I'm just going to go to the equipment room and I'm going to grab, just you grab know, a few things. Here. I'm going to be able to triangulate things with a with a cactus and a car battery, right. and I'll be able to find where he is. It'll be fine. He's like, but like, yeah, he's like, he takes like, a, there's like a computer screen on his coffee table with like all this equipment that he's just somehow probably taken from the Phoenix Foundation. 
He's just it's just on loan. Some jerk just comes into Star Six Nine. It's like, yeah, that's where he is. <laughs> Damn it, son of a bitch. So yeah, so he traces the call to like an abandoned building. That's what the address takes him to. So he goes inside of the building and he finds like a a, a bunch of blocks of C four and the folder full of newspaper clippings and all the clippings are about um, the foundation's handling of the security detail for this trial. And there are also a couple of photos. One photo of Bob Strike, one of De La Sora, and there's a of course, there's a beautiful photo of MacGyver. Oh, it was great. It was a fantastic photo of MacGyver. So he finds a photo of Marietta, who is Strike's assistant, and there's a dart right through her head on the dartboard. Well, on the dartboard, just on the wall. Or on the wall. Yeah. And it's not a dart, David. It's like a dagger. It's like a throwing knife. It's a really thick, whatever it is, it's really large. Because that's the kind of thing Murdoch would do. Right. I'm surprised he didn't write something like, bye-bye, Maria. Or, right. Whatever. Rest in peace, Marietta. <laughs> Carves it into the wall. <laughs> so... How MacGyver knew where Marietta was, I'll never know, but he drives to the parking garage that she's in as she's about to get into her car. Perfect timing. Stops her from getting in the car and like kind of like whips her to the side. Says, don't! Yeah. Don't do it! Don't get in your car! Oh, okay, MacGyver. Don't! I, uh! I just, I, okay. I'll... <laughs> she like puts the Swiss Army knife up to her mouth. Shh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's Murdoch. He's not dead. Right, of course. So he gets under the car in real and sees that same pipe bomb mm-hmm. that Murdoch was building in the prior scene. So he takes out a Swiss Army knife and he cuts it. And I love this because when he re- when he cuts the first piece of tape, the pipe bomb like drops and MacGyver like winces because it's just like duct tape underneath. Yeah, and I liked it though because Mac- Murdoch MacGyver was convinced it was going to fall and detonate. Uh-huh. So he pulls the pipe bomb off and he kind of picks it up and he hears that there's something inside it. It's just, it's just a pipe. It, it really now that he sees it, it's just like a metal tube. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Um, and honestly, at this point, I was thinking he wasn't going to find anything. Like only lending credence to the fact that he's going crazy. That's I thought he was going to get out of the car and like search the car and nothing was going to be there. So mm-hmm. he finds he finds the pipe, he unscrews the top, and he drops out a piece of... It's a chess piece. It's mm-hmm. a black pawn. Yeah. And MacGyver, at this point, has realized that Murdoch set this entire thing up. But it's funny, because Marietta's like, that is a chess piece. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a black pawn. Uh-huh. And he's like, Murdoch set this whole thing up as a distraction for me, because he's telling me that I've been used. So he set the entire thing up. The phone call trace, the abandoned building, the C4, all the pictures in those spots, Mm -hmm. just so that MacGyver would show up to stop Marietta from getting in her car so he would find the black pond. Because MacGyver is so predictable. Of course. He really is. He is. I mean, Murdoch knows his literal every move. He does. Absolutely. And still can't beat him. Nope. Can't do it. He's never been able to do it. No. No. (laughs) So we back at the hotel where Delasora is being kept uh, prior to the trial, and... We see uh, a room service attendant walking down the hall. We don't see the upper body yet. We just see we just see the feet walking down the hall, and he's like mm-hmm. greeting people. And the camera pans up, and we realize that it's Murdoch dressed as a room service attendant. He looks sharp. He looks great, absolutely fantastic. He, I mean, he's a man of many disguises, and he just looks really, really good. And so he delivers like the cart of the cart of quote unquote food because you know it's not food <laughs> to Delasora's room. So he leaves. And I love this because he walks right by Finnegan in the hall, 
just a quick like Murdoch like bangs a right out this way down the yeah. hall and Finnegan comes into frame. But he turns around, he's like, hmm. Yes, I, I, gives her this, I noticed this that. Kind of like, hmm. Hi. It was great. Yeah, it was great. So the phone rings in the room and MacGyver's there and and he tells Strike, listen. Murdoch is going to murder De La Sorda. You need to get him out of that hotel room now. Absolutely 100% now. And so uh, Finnegan is on her way in to check on De La Sora, and the bomb goes off, blows the door right off, right off the hinges. Well, after she's like complaining to herself, like, this is so stupid. Mag- he's dead. Murdoch is dead. Right. Yeah, and Mag- here's MacGyver on the phone saying, you gotta go, you got to go check it out. Yeah. She's like... Bullshit boom. Right. A bullshit boom. A bullshit boom. <laughs> yeah, and there it is. Yeah, kabam. Yeah. Done. So she gets knocked to the ground, and so we re- we find out later that Dalesaurus survived the explosion. However, uh, one of Pete's friends, uh, a guy named Jake Gibbs, was in that room, and he died in the explosion. I mean, we'll keep track of that guy. We're gonna, we're, I wrote it down. Jake Gibbs died in the explosion. Mr. Gibbs. Any friend of Pete's is a friend of MacGyver's. That's true. Um. So, yeah, so so De La Sora survives the assassination. So we're back at the foundation, and Marietta, she complains again because De La Sora survives once again while all the innocent people die, and she starts launching into this, and, and Finnegan tells MacGyver, listen, we had people go to that abandoned building that you told us about. There's nothing there. It was empty. There was no C4. There were no photos. There was nothing there. <laughs> it's like, he fucking cleaned it out, dumbass. Right. Come like, on. Come on. It's perfect Murdoch. You know, this is the great thing. I mean, Murdoch doing this like psychological warfare on MacGyver is m- brilliant. It's beautiful. Absolutely. It's so easy. It's, right? Because MacGyver's just been browbeat for so long. <laughs> I, I feel bad. Like, the man is going to be a shell. God, that's probably why they, oh. they, That's probably why he won't come back to MacGyver, because he's yeah. convinced that in the new reboot series... The real Mac- the old MacGyver is probably in an institution. You're probably right. Now, so what would that be? What one of that? So 20, 20 years. So the show went off. The this this is ninety one ninety two. So the show went off the air in ninety. No, the final TV movie aired in ninety four. The new reboot aired in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Okay. So, so like twenty two years. I MacGyver's see, been institutionalized. So MacGyver. MacGyver. Maybe. Maybe he left the country. Maybe you know he's like he's a recluse someplace. Yes, lives by himself. He's just a hermit. What kind of? Did pets you see would the Last have? Jedi? No. Okay, so I was going to say it's like Luke, like it's like Luke yeah. disappeared to that planet for thirty years because he couldn't bear dealing with what's going on in the world. So he yeah. disappears to a remote planet. Like, and screw this. No one can find him for thirty years. Right. That's him. He's like the <laughs> Luke Skywalker on that freaking island planet, just hiding out by himself, living with the aliens. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. That would be kind of funny. So. Um, okay, so the government decides that at this point, they're taking the foundation off the case. There's just MacGyver's too much of a liability. The shit's going wrong left and right, and the foundation's name keeps popping up whenever something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the foundation's deal. Like, this is the foundation's deal. Strike informs Pete and tells him that, listen, we're going to call in a special forces unit to take care of this. We're going to make sure that Delasora is safe. We're going to go ahead and reactivate an abandoned military base, like right outside of town, and we're going to keep Delasora there. Oh, okay, sure, perfect, great. That sounds great. Great. It's a- got power, right? It's got every. It's good. The p- toilets work. Everything working okay. It's fine. We'll just move in for a couple weeks until the trial's done, and we'll be good. Right. Absolutely. I'm like what the f- what the fuck? <laughs> There's an abandoned military base right outside their town in California. Love it. Fucking a. Come on, man. Well, right outside is like 300 miles away. Of course, of course it is. But even still, like yeah. just a random abandoned military base that no one knew about, and they're like, oh. 
That's the one we're going to send him to. Perfect. It'll be fine. <laughs> but we go. We have a flashback there. Buddy is out there. Yeah, from Axminster. Oh God, it's, it's that old, old abandoned town. It is. That's all it is. It's yeah. just the recycled town from season one. <laughs> Axminster's still under the freaking um, what the, the 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 support beams. Right. He's still laying there. He's been there for six years, still alive for some reason. Because it's Axminster. <laughs> Dead. So so strike leaves. And Finnegan tells Pete, listen, you need to do your job. You know what needs to happen. And Pete is just, you can see him getting torn up. And he says, Finnegan at one point says to Pete, are you going to let this man turn the Phoenix Foundation into a laughing stock? And I'm like, about MacGyver. Yeah, about MacGyver. I'm like, dude, he's been doing that for years. <laughs> MacGyver's been turning the foundation into a laughing stock for years. He's been doing stupid shit. For fucking years, and so and, yes, Pete's gonna let him do. Of that. course, he's gonna do it. And you know, and half the time on these on these episodes of MacGyver, like as an audience member, you don't know if MacGyver's working for the foundation or just on his own. Right, he's all over the place. Right, exactly. So Pete basically tells MacGyver after Finnegan leaves, and I, this is my big holy shit moment. Pete fucking fires MacGyver. I know. He's like Mac, you're on leave right now, and he kicks him out. He's like what? Pete. It was, what? I was like, oh God. Oh, like, and this is great. And I, I wrote, I write, Pete turns on him. I was like, holy shit. Are you kidding? Pete fires MacGyver That's right I was now. Like, holy shit. Pete fired him. And MacGyver like looks at Pete and says, good management decision and storms out of the break office and your, slams the door. Break your heart. Oh my like, God. Fuck you. It was unbelievable. But, and this is where Miss Finnegan, you see her and she kind of has this like shit eating grin. She's smirking and smiling. Then it. it camera turns over to pete and he's the you can see he's he's grumpy but he's got a bit of a smile yes there's something you're like something there something's not quite right and we fade to commercial and we come back and max in his loft and we hear a couple of raps on the door and he doesn't even get up he's just like come on in pete <laughs> pete starts like railing off about how much he hates the cab driver and- well let's just say like because <laughs> so i'm like wait how did pete get there oh because he can't drive anymore that's what i thought i was like so pete drove i'm like oh no wait he so pete, pete shows up and now you know he's still he's got his dark sunglasses on um and he's got he's got a cane he's got a seeing a seeing um, i don't know what the proper terminology is i don't a sight ca- a seeing cane i don't know what it's called i'm not sure anyway let's educate ourselves we'll figure it out yeah but uh yeah so it's like they're showing how Pete can get around and how he's doing well um, with his glaucoma. And he's like, how the hell did you know it was me? Right. And MacGyver's like, come on. Oh, it's just called a support cane. Right. It's a oh, su- support uh, cane. A support cane. Okay. Or the probing cane? Well, what's that do? The probing cane probes for, for and locates obstacles in your path of travel. Okay. So, so it's, it's a support cane. We'll call it yeah. a support cane. I don't like using the word probing. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair enough. <laughs> so yeah. So we realize at this point that... The whole firing, because MacGyver makes a mention as to how all we needed to do was get her, was get Finnegan convinced that it was this that that happened. So at that point, we realized that that entire firing was staged by Pete and MacGyver. And now that I see it, I was pissed off. I'm like, well, I was mad at the episode because I'm like, there is no way Pete would actually fire MacGyver. Right. That wouldn't happen. Right. Then I'm like, this is brilliant. It, that's what I wrote. I wrote so Mac and Pete staged that entire sequence prior to this. I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, and they played it so perfectly. And they said all they wanted it to do was convince Finnegan that MacGyver was fired. So now MacGyver has a free hand. Yeah. to do what he needs to do. And and, and, and it's find funny because he he's like Pete was basically explaining she's up my ass. Like she, I can't do anything without her being there. Right. And the only way I could set you free was to fire you. 
like yeah. in front of her. Fucking so now amazing. no one's going to be watching you. You can do anything. Right. Yeah. So it was it, beautiful. It was I loved it. It was unbelievable. So he does say to MacGyver that, you know, even though that they know and they're pretty sure that Murdoch is involved at somehow Pete's job is now at risk because the board has his hands tied. Like there's nothing he can do to help MacGyver mm-hmm. find Murdoch. Well, he basically said, you know, he's like, I know everything we've seen so far stinks of Murdoch, but they wouldn't believe it for right. so long. But now it's pretty possible. Now yeah. they're going to look into it more deeply. But I, I, you can't be around. So this is it. Yeah, and it's uh, now. Uh, basically, it's like so. Pete, what do you want me to do? Where, what should I do? Right. And Pete basically tells him, it's like, well, they're keeping Delasora, 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 Delasora. Yeah. I got it right. Keeping him in that abandoned military base that they've reactivated yeah. just outside of town. Of course. I think you should, you know, break into it. Sure. The heavily armed military base. Just go ahead, MacGyver. You're one man. Sneak right in. Fine. Okay. All right. Cool. Sounds so that's great. literally what we, the next cut is MacGyver running up over a hill with Binox yep. to look over into the military base. So in his street clothes. Right. In broad daylight. Yeah. Running full speed over a hill so this is how macgyver breaks into a heavily guarded base in his street clothes in broad hill. daylight he just runs over the hill <laughs> so i you drew i can't remember that episode but the one where he made like the hot air balloon with a mylar balloon or something that, oh yeah. yeah yeah yeah. that's that's i think it's the same building maybe not but anyway yeah so he's looking at this base i'm like what the kind of what is this place he's looking at it with binoculars there's kind of soldiers doing their their stupid soldier extra milling around. They're just kind of you know dawdling around, poking at stuff, holding machine guns, and this this is where you see Delasora walking around free, like open, saluting everyone. You know, really weird. And I'm like, what is he doing? Why is he why is he wandering around? Like, why right. isn't he locked up or something like that? I thought this was being you know manned by secrets, like you know special forces or something like right. that. Right. Very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. Absolutely. So Delasora at once. So we see we see a jeep pull in, and we see a, a general get out of the jeep. Delasora stands up and, and salutes the general, salutes back, and MacGyver's looking at this through binoculars and realizes that the man who is in this general outfit is fucking Murdoch. <laughs> Murdoch <laughs> is in is dressed up as a general, working for this supposed special forces unit. <laughs> From where? I thought it was the United States, but it might be from some other country. I don't know. Right. I, I have no idea. So we see the Delasaurus people have also captured Marietta, and we see her. We see them get her out of the car, and they take her into the bunker. Um, so MacGyver decides that rather than wear his clothes, he's going to steal the clothes off of a guard. Yeah. So he knocks out one of the guards, which knocks MacGyver down, too. Which is awesome. So, so there... <laughs> This scene is great because MacGyver just like materializes from behind a tree and clobbers this guard. Yeah. It's like, hey, the guard turns around and he punches him so hard that MacGyver falls over and knocks the guard out. Yeah, absolutely. Probably breaking every bone in his hand. Of course he did, but we don't see the shake yet. No, yeah, it's true. You're right. (laughs) So he, he takes the uniform off this guard and sneaks in, but doesn't actually sneak in because he's almost immediately caught. By Bob Strike, so the this prosecuting fucking, okay, attorney. Okay, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. <laughs> Go ahead. He dresses up. He, okay, he knocks out the guard, puts on his fatigues, and then just walks right into this military base. And in the background, so have you seen 
uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I have. So there's the scene when the, the, when they're on Yucca Mountain, and uh, yeah. and they they have all the stuff set up, and there's like constant uh, narrative from some loudspeaker about yeah, what's yeah, yeah. going on. That's what's going on here. About some narr- there's some loudspeaker saying, "All right, testing in progress." Blah blah blah. Clear clear launch pad. This kind of shit. I'm like, what the fuck kind of base is this? Right. There's a shitty rocket there, and they're doing tests on the rocket. And MacGyver's kind of like st- walking around in his fatigues, and then kind of walks up to this other thing. And what's his name? Strike. The strike. Strike shows up. Like he's like, "Hey, I need help inside here in the control room." And Max like, "Oh shit!" And he's trying to hide his his his. He's like, "Okay, I'm. Tr- I, I don't. I don't hear you. I don't speak English." And and then, then strike. Spe- I don't know what language. What, what what language uh, was it? Spanish. It might have been Spanish. I wasn't paying. I wasn't too much paying attention. attention either. Oops. Let's say it was Spanish. Speaks in Spanish, and MacGyver's like, "Fuck!" Now I can't pretend that I don't understand him. Right. And turns around, and that's when Strike identifies him. He's like, "Well, well, how do you do?" Grin. He's like, "He's like, yeah." When Farva realizes that the highway patrol's been right, like, he's like, "Well, fuck this!" You know, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm just like MacGyver, MacGyver. Seriously? You got caught? Again? Of course he did. You're the shittiest special agent. <laughs> he really is. But I love you. I love him so much. So he is brought into the bunker and he sees he sees Murdoch. And Murdoch begins to explain to him that Delasora is preparing to to launch a missile against the capital of El Santori from the United States. I don't know where El Santori is in relation to the United States. Is it States. a real place? I don't think it is. Let's find out. Um and then they're going to just march their men into El, El Santori. El Santoro. Um, nope. It's not. It's not real. Nope. Okay. So wherever this is in relation to California, they're going to launch the missile into El Santori, and they're going to march all of these men in. And M- Murdoch's like, or MacGyver's like, you were a one man army. Like, what? <laughs> why all of a sudden are you working as part of a team? That's not your style. And Murdoch's like, well. You know, he starts talking about Hit and how mm-hmm. Hit uh, Hit had to let him go because he's over the hill. And, you know, and he, basically he alludes to the fact that they they let him go because he couldn't fucking kill MacGyver. <laughs> the one man that kept bringing him down and kept killing him. Yeah. So he accepted the position of general in Delasora's new army in return for Murdoch helping Delasora retake the presidency. <laughs> I, pff, whatever I okay. love it. I don't fucking care. That is, I think that is by far the craziest Murdoch thing. Like he fucking became a general. He makes so. himself a general so that he can help a guy become the president of his country to create a new army. <laughs> Fuck! Great, awesome. Way to go, Murdoch. God, because Murdoch. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So Delasora orders the firing squad to kill MacGyver and Marietta. Um, and at this point. Oh, I love it. Mur- M- MacGyver. MacGyver's like, huh, blew it again, huh, Murdoch? Murdoch's like, hmm? Is that supposed to be a joke, MacGyver? No. You're the joke, Murdoch. He's <laughs> like, I love it. I know. It's back a- and forth. This is such a good showdown because MacGyver's like, so you failed again. You're going to have to have these guys kill me? Hmm. Well, what do you know? And M- M- Murdoch walks up to El Santoro and goes, you can kill the girl. Yeah. But I want to do something special with MacGyver. Yeah, he's like, I'm looking, I'm looking for a more inventive death for MacGyver. And it's I'm like, like oh, oh my god, god, this is because he's right. Yeah. MacGyver is absolutely right. Murdoch would never allow his greatest nemesis to be shot by firing squad. Right. And I love it because Mur- MacGyver calls him out on it. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, this is not how you basically like. He's like, you don't want me to go like this. It's like, fuck, you're right. You're right. He's you're like, right. You're right. I, you're not going to just get shot. I'm going to make this so much worse. I'm going to draw it out to the point where you might be able to escape. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to make it so complicated and so simple at the same time that you're just going to get free. And so he does. So he ties him. Uh. He ties him to a missile platform. So this, the <laughs> idea is, is that when the missile launches, the flames coming out of the bottom of the missile are going to hit MacGyver and just roast him. And that's the idea. So he ties him up like right but on the. T- that's so low tech. I mean, the last time Murdoch had MacGyver in his sights really was MacGyver was strapped to a chair in his own houseboat at a dinner table with a poison dart arrow pointed at his chest. Right. Right. Like, right. That's what I'm picturing. But no, Murdoch just decides to go the barbecue route and straps him. To like the, the the missile exhaust. It's just the missile platform, and then yeah, and it's right underneath the exhaust for the missile. So when the flames come out, they're just gonna roast him. That's it. That's not inventive. Tie him to the missile. <laughs> right. I was like, that's so much better. <laughs> but it's funny. Shit. I was watching this with Christy, and she's like, God, if he, they tie him to the missile, it's gonna throw like the trajectory all off. I'm like, you know, you get a. That's a good point. That's You're a, right. That's a great point. It's probably just gonna crash into the ground. <laughs> MacGyver just right. Oh, oh God. And so. So basically, like, Murdoch is using MacGyver to try to discredit the Phoenix Foundation because MacGyver can't do that on his own. (laughs) Uh, Uh, So MacGyver was, of course, we know that MacGyver was the only one that believed Murdoch was dead. And so we finally find out... That wasn't dead. That wasn't dead. So we finally find out how Murdoch escaped the mineshaft. Because so they're marching them, like, only a couple of them. Like, there's Murdoch, two guards, MacGyver, and... uh, Mariana and they're walking them out and that's where they stop by the missile and MacGyver's like you owe it to me how did you how did you get away like why why didn't they find anybody whose body was that it's just brutal and it's great it's like well this is the crazy thing it's like well I I fell down the mine shaft how many stories I don't know but whatever (laughs) into an underground river that let out like three miles away so he swam three miles out into the bay killed a fisherman then took the body back in and <laughs> left it at the bottom of the mine shaft. They and he, no, not even that. Like he just left body parts of the fisherman under the mine shaft, right? Because that's all they found. Like <laughs> Murdoch is amazing. He swam six miles to get this fisherman's body, and presumably, out. I mean, it had to have been upstream, you know, one way. <laughs> Underground no, river. no, he did it nine miles because no, he had to get right. back out again. An underground river under under a mine shaft. <laughs> I love every second of it. I'm gonna have to change my rating because now I'm thinking all over it about it. I'm thinking about it all over again, and I love that. It's so good. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So we leave. Of course, he leaves MacGyver alone <laughs> to his own devices. Well, they tied him up with like fucking twine. <laughs> of course, they like did. like shitty jute twine. Worst he's gonna get is a fucking rope burn and maybe a pe- couple pieces of twine in his skin. <laughs> so conveniently, there is a rolling cart of liquid nitrogen about eight feet away. Oh, that's really from, sick. That's great. Perfect. From the from yeah, just sitting there. And so MacGyver gets one of his boots off and like he get he dangles one of the boots on his toe and he kicks it towards the liquid nitrogen perfect shot it hits the brake switch uh-huh. on the liquid nitrogen cart and unbreaks it and then the liquid nitrogen cart just starts rolling and i love macgyver's like oh thank god oh Jim, this god. is the first time we really saw him stressed he's like oh good oh thank goodness is coming this way ha oh, oh. ha 
but right before it gets there, it gets stuck in a hole in the concrete and stops. He's like, fuck! Son of a bitch! So he takes his other shoe off, and he holds onto the shoelace this time, and he starts like trying to lasso the top of the cart handle yeah. to pull it into him. And he does a couple of tries, but of course... He gets it over the handle, and he pulls it in the rest of the way, and then somehow gets, I think, just one of the car- one of the liquid nitrogen canisters yeah. to tip over perfectly over his arm. Yeah. He unloosens it and lets the liquid nitrogen come out just enough to freeze the twine rope, and so he can snap it free yeah. and get out of it. He lets the gas freeze the rope so he can snap it, and before... Before he unties the rest of his body, he turns the tank off. Of course he does, because, you know, the, the environment, man. He didn't want to get a freezer burn. I understand <laughs> exactly. that. That's fine. So he takes a couple of, like, I don't know where these rags came from. So he grabs a few rags and, like, shoves it into the air take, the air intake mm-hmm. on the front of the missile. I think this was just a giant buzz bomb from World War II, because Murdoch mentioned something about it. It's like, these old bombs are made so solid. They're so good. Yeah. He said something about the 70s, but... That was definitely a buzz bomb. Anywho. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he stuffs the air intake with these rags and things that were lying around. This was the messiest missile launch site I've ever seen. There was shit all over the place. I mean, for somebody who's trying to take over their country to regain the presidency, it's really shittily put but together. Like, from the United States, from a military base in the middle of California right. that has been somehow taken over by a foreign power, then there are missiles on the base. I don't... Right. I don't, I don't know. I mean, okay, so there's there's a place called Santorini, which is an island in Greece, but that's really far. <laughs> so there's a there's a gentleman by the name of El Santo, who was a Mexican film actor and luchador, uh, who passed away in 1984. Oh, rest in peace, El Santo. I know. <laughs> Pretty good looking dude. So, okay, so MacGyver <laughs> ends up heading back towards to find it, to rescue Marietta. Yeah. So Murdoch is, of course, they're on like a beach and or they're up on a cliff overseeing overlooking a beach and Mur- murdoch is there and he's like looking over the firing squad and he gets ready to order them to fire and macgyver arrives via jeep driving like a bat out of hell again like barrels up over the hill all the way down grabs marietta and drives away yep um, okay good for you man yep and Murdoch knows exactly where he's going because, of course, he does because Murdoch knows every little step that MacGyver is going to take. Uh huh. So Stryker panics. Stryker, Strike starts to panic and he demands, like, he's like, You're going to give me the money now. He's like, I'm out. I'm checking out of this thing. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. This has mm-hmm. gone too far. And Murdoch's like, Well, I've got the liberty of leaving the briefcase of money in your car. And he goes, Perfect. Great. I'll see you guys later. He gets in the car and he opens the briefcase. And you see the money, but the centerpiece of money, like, lifts up and you see. It's like a rigged dart gun. So yeah. as soon as he opens it, it just blows the dart right into his chest and kills him. Yeah. Not be and well, as he dies, he's <gasps> and then his face falls on the steering wheel, setting the horn off on the car. <laughs> I thought that was great. Me <laughs> and it doesn't stop. I was like, yes. It doesn't stop until the scene cuts. I was so happy. <laughs> Would have been great as if the next scene takes place with MacGyver chasing Murdoch and he drives past Strike and he's still on the horn. <laughs> Oh my God, that would have been great. So MacGyver and Marietta, they're getting ready to send a signal to the Capitol to warn them about what's what's about to happen. Uh, yep, because uh, she's like, we can use the radio and signal my government. Sure. Where where Now, where is your government? It's, uh, it's not in California. It's out there. That's out, it's out there. It's out, it's out there. Oh, my God. 
Unbelievable. So, of course, Murdoch and De La Sora, they show up at just that moment so they can avoid that happening. And Murdoch gets ready to kill MacGyver, but De La Sora betrays Murdoch because he anticipated that Murdoch would become a liability. And just kind of like M- De La Sora standing behind Murdoch. Murdoch's holding a gun pointing at MacGyver. And De La Sora just kind of reaches over and grabs the gun for Murdoch. And Murdoch's like, <laughs> hey, what? Hey. It's like, give it back to me. I've got to kill MacGyver. God, it was ridiculous. So, of course, so De La Sora has one of the unnamed soldiers take Murdoch outside to shoot him. And so he takes him out and then we hear a gunshot. And I didn't even hesitate to say that that's not Murdoch. Yeah, Murdoch like, did not get shot. It's amazing. And all the while, MacGyver's like looking around how to get out of this, and he sees like, like a squirt bottle of like d- disinfectant or something. I was I don't like a know. disinfectant. It was like a spray cleaner sitting in the middle of the radio room. Sure, in a bucket, and he's just holding it in front of him. Like Delasora doesn't notice this. They're standing he face to face. Reaches over and grabs it while Delasora gets distracted from the gunshots, and he just like spray like a couple little sprays up at the light bulb, which somehow causes the bulb to shatter and explode, which mm-hmm. distracts De La Sora enough for MacGyver to knock him unconscious. He leaves and tells Marietta to keep, keep her eyes on he's like, but De La Sora. Mar- I'm, he's, she's like, well, where are you going? He's like, I'm going after Murdoch. But Murdoch's dead. No, he's not. No, he's not. Have you, have you all learned nothing? Have you all learned nothing from me? God. So he runs, and he runs outside, and of course, MacGyver's right. Murdoch is not the one who's dead. Because he comes across the guard on the ground like right. with, with you know, bullet holes in him. Right. And he's like, shit. So he sees Murdoch drive away, and I think it's the, he takes the Jeep that we saw MacGyver in earlier. I don't was know. It might, it might have been. It might very well have been. All that I know is that it's pink. It's either pink or maroon. It might have been a maroon. It's, it's on the pink side of maroon, and it was a pretty cool-looking Jeep. It was a pretty sweet-looking Jeep. So Murdoch, like barrels he drives right past macgyver and macgyver runs just as fast as he can and like jumps onto the back he of the t-1000s jeep. the jeep he and- absolutely does and murdoch's just like ah like white teeth like ah like driving Scr- as fast like as he can. and trying to like swerve back and forth trying to shake macgyver off the back of the jeep and somehow macgyver ends up on the hood of the jeep yeah he kind of he kind of swings around macgyver sort of falls off and while murdoch is trying to reposition the jeep macgyver jumps up on the hood and is like trying to like get at him and Murdoch's like swinging back and forth. Basically, he's trying to throw MacGyver off the off the hood of the car, and there's a cliff coming. Can anyone guess what's going to happen next? So Murdoch's driving towards the cliff to try to like throw MacGyver off the hood of the car and over the cliff, but MacGyver like rolls himself off as he gets knocked to the ground. Murdoch like pulls a three point turn, backs up to try to run MacGyver over, and so at this point we hear, well, we'll just let this go. That's right, folks. Murdoch has driven himself over the edge of the cliff and exploded on impact. Because <laughs> MacGyver played Matador and was right in Murdoch's sights, but from like 300 feet away. And Murdoch's like flooring it at him. And MacGyver just steps to the side. <laughs> and Murdoch so- goes headlong over the cliff in this maroon pink Jeep. <laughs> it wasn't even like a panicked step, too. MacGyver's like, oh, wait. I'll just step to the left. He's going too fast to stop. There we go. There was Murdoch over the side. I'm just like, so this is where I really like, so of all the deaths in this show, 
this is the stupidest I think Mur- Murdoch's gotten because he had to have realized that MacGyver was going to step out of the way because like the Widowmaker, mm-hmm. MacGyver cut the rope and he fell. Mm-hmm. Fine. Uh, uh, the the third season was uh, when he fell into the pool of water after getting electrocuted. Yep, that makes complete sense. Then it was Cleo Rocks. No, Cleo Rocks when he fell into yeah the pool of molten the pool of fun. Oh, no, under the, the theater. Under the theater, he fell yeah. into the pool of flames. Right. So that was right. Then it was the Widowmaker. Then before that, it was him in the uh, the truck when the the, the semi exploded. Right. Him in the front. Yeah. So then there was that. So far, those are the first three deaths. Those all make sense. Then we had Halloween Nights, where Murdoch just like ran away. We knew he was alive at the end of that. Right. Then we had season six with him getting sucked and pulled down a mine shaft. <laughs> Complete accident that his foot got caught and he got pulled. Makes sense. This was the first time I'm like Murdoch. That was the stupidest. Like, did you really think that you were gonna re- run over MacGyver? Well, David, and fucking kill him. Unless, much like. Murdoch knows that if you call from a phone number, MacGyver's going to trace you. Yeah. Maybe Murdoch planned this entire thing, and that was his exit. <sighs> it was because, I think you're probably because right. he had MacGyver in his sights. He backed up to get more distance to charge at MacGyver with the Jeep. Yeah. I'm going to put it out there that this was Murdoch's exit strategy. Yeah, you're probably right. To drive a Jeep off a cliff somewhere. <laughs> he knew he knew that he was going to survive it. Yeah. He absolutely knew. Yeah. So, and I also think that they reused the MacGyver scream from the Widowmaker, or the Murdoch scream from the Widowmaker. It sounded like the exact same scream. We'll have to compare all of them well, at the end of We're all definitely going to have to do a MacGyver comparison and just every time Murdoch screams it just to hear each, each one. But I think they just reused the scream. Maybe. For sure. So we cut back for the finale, and MacGyver's at the loft. It's dark. And he wakes up pretty startled because Pete's knocking at the door. I'm like, first, does Pete sleep? It's dark, and he comes into the apartment, and Pete's just, like, there. So does Pete just now wander the night? Does he just wander the streets alone at night? Like, is that what he's doing? Like, I feel like, because he shows up at MacGyver's house. And so the reason he shows up is because he wants to be the first one to tell him. And Murdoch, and MacGyver's basically like, they didn't find a body, did they? <laughs> It's like, nope, they didn't. Nope, nope, they definitely didn't find that. And I felt bad because like, MacGyver just like drops his head onto the couch, mm-hmm. just completely like, like he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm just fucking done. I want him to. Like, eat, I, That's what I'm getting from MacGyver from the season. Like, I am just over this. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, that was totally what that was. And I bet it was hist- It was just like real life and actual Mac- and MacGyver. Yeah. God. So Finnegan apologized to pete about macgyver and off camera we don't see we don't see we don't see the apology so he she he and macgyver get to keep their jobs um pete insists like he's like listen he's like the tide could have turned it could have washed the body out i'm like pete the jeep didn't land in the water (laughs) (laughs) it exploded when it hit the rocks yeah no that would not have worked and macgyver's just like you know as well as i do that's not the case and then the phone rings and MacGyver picks up, and all we hear is just like this little ominous chuckle, like, <laughs> and then it like cuts the credits, <laughs> and MacGyver's just like, I don't, don't want to, Pete. Don't make me do this anymore. <laughs> I mean, MacGyver could have very easily just walked away at any point during yeah. the season. He could have gone and lived with Grandpa Harry out in the woods. I know, out fishing all the re- time. Could have rebuilt Pete's cabin on the wood during the Widowmaker. Oh my God. Just rebuilt the cabin after Murdoch burned it down. Yeah. Uh. So that's where the episode ends. And I, I said to you, like, this 
This is the. I know it's only the third episode of the final season, but this felt like a real episode of MacGyver, not compared to the first two. It did, but in like the in, in a dumb way. Like oh, it absolutely. Felt kind of first season ish in terms of the action. Yeah, yeah. But as as last season as it could possibly be with like this this. We're just writing shit now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, Greg, where did you land with your so this with is your stupid mu- your mulets? There we go. Ready for this one? Yes. I gave. <laughs> I don't know why I like this one. I shouldn't have. Yes, you should. I gave one mullet for the lack of relevance to any of the seasons. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I gave one mullet for Pete and his glasses. Uh, two mullets for uh, um, st- strikes head on the car horn you after gave he got two killed. Two I gave it two because I laughed. <laughs> So hard. And one mullet for how much MacGyver has thrown in the towel. So that's a fiver? That's five. So let me say, I also gave it some bonus mullets. Go for it. One mullet for, well, no mullets here. They're just, they're just bonuses in general. How his house is still set up like the houseboat. Yeah. How his black Jeep came out of storage after a whole season or so. Because was the last time we saw it was when we, he got uh, taken in by the Amish. Sure. Right, I don't know. The thing's dusty and dirty, and it's a matte black as opposed to. Sh- it's just. It looks like it's yeah. been sitting in a, in a yeah. barn for years. Um, how shitty was Miss Finnegan for no reason? Yep. Um, the shit execution with a rocket blast, of course, terrible. Uh, the Parks and Rec building. Um, Pete's late night visits. Um, how Max still sleeps on the couch and watches westerns because he he fell asleep watching a western. Of course he did at the end of the episode. <laughs> how Murdoch isn't dead and is a total creep. Because he calls him in the middle of the night and just goes, <laughs> Pleasant dreams, MacGyver. And uh, Max, one-man daytime, daytime raid on a crap military base and getting caught again. So that's like 11 mullets total. So I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even rate this correctly anymore. I enjoyed it for all the wrong reasons, so I'm going to stay with five. Are we gonna have Whatever. To, are we going to have to eliminate this season out of our final series rating? I think this entire season is a ringer. It's just like none of it makes sense. We're laughing at it for all our own personal reasons. And I think we have to, otherwise we would be, it would be so hard to get through the next, what, nine episodes? Uh, these are, uh, oh, only nine. Yeah, after after 120, after the next episode, we got nine left. How about you, David? All right, so I gave it one, one mullet for General Murdoch the Immortal. Fuck yes. <laughs> one mullet for, I liked Finnegan, I know you were not, I think she was a bulldog, but I, I, I think it was more that I liked the actor more than I liked the part. So okay. that, that helped elevate it for me. All right. Uh, a mullet for Pete's glasses. There was a repeat. I just think he looks amazing. <laughs> and um, one mullet for MacGyver briefly questioning his sanity. Hmm. And so I ended up only at a four, and I think I'm going to keep it at four, even though most of my Murdoch episodes have been four and a half to fives. I rate this one a little lower just, cause, uh, just because, A, it's the final time we see him, and B, it was a really dumb way for him to die. <laughs> I hated it so much. Um, so four mullets. I mean, still not bad. Mm-hmm. And still, it brought my season average up after the season premiere of uh, my one mullet season premiere. So yeah. hopefully we can continue uh, continue enjoying them just for this exact reason. Um, Greg, you want to start some fires? We didn't start the fire. Yes, I do. All right. So the next episode, season seven, episode four, The Prometheus Syndrome. A psychopathic arsonist is setting explosive fires around the city, so MacGyver plays detective in order to track him down before he strikes again. I'm looking forward to that one, actually. Sounds pretty good. Sounds like it could be a, rever- uh, a, re- uh, a revisit of Tough Boys. 
tough boy, tough boys, tough boys. Except instead of the tough boys blowing up crack dens, this guy's just blowing up apartments and houses uh, because he feels like it. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> so, all right, guys. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, if you like what you hear and you want to hear where Greg and I are going next, uh, stay tuned because we will be making that announcement shortly. Um, definitely before the end of the season. We haven't uh, we haven't quite decided when. But uh, uh, keep tuned in to that. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Champa and Klein Blow Your Mind. You can find us on Twitter at Blow Your Mind 14. Instagram is Champa Klein. You can also email us at letusblowyourmind at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website, champacline.com, which has actually gone through a bit of an overhaul. We kind of streamlined the website in the last week or so to make it just sort of like a central hub for you guys to find everything. So you'll find um, the embedded players for the podcast, so Mullets and Memories, uh, our flagship series, Champion Climb Blow Your Mind, and our 24-hour podcast, The 1440, just to make it a little bit easier for you guys to find it. It's kind of like a springboard for you to find us in other places, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it works a lot better, uh, and so it should help you guys to sort of find us in different places so champacline.com is is definitely something you want to check out and finally itunes please consider leaving us an itunes review uh five mullets would be lovely i'd even take four anything less than that i'll find you guys and just be really really mad so um don't don't do that uh, but definitely leave us a, a, an iTunes review because we want to finish off the series strong, and we'd love we'd love for new people to come with us to our next venture, which I promise will not disappoint you guys. I honestly like Greg and I are really excited to get done with MacGyver because we want to get into uh, we wanted to get a next get into the next chapter. So for episode one hundred twenty eight of Mullets and Memories, I am Peter Thornton's glaucoma glasses. I am MacGyver's exhaustion. <laughs> Have a fantastic week, everybody. Well, and maybe it's time for a smoke.